Our scripture this week comes from Peter's first letter, chapter 1, verses 13 through 21. Uh, You can open your pew Bible to page 1203. I know we're going to show it up there on the screen. I'd rather you open it up in the Bible, um, either in the pew Bible or in your own personal Bible. My number one preference as a pastor, it's to see people coming to church, bringing their Bibles with them. I know that's a bit old school. You're thinking, man, that's like 1950s Baptist church kind of thinking. But, but there's something about carrying your Bible to church um, that encourages a pastor's heart because then they think we, we have this notion that, well, if you're bringing it to church, the chances are you're also opening it at least one other day during the week before you get to church. Um, and the other reason I want you to read along is because it's in your language. It's right there in English. You don't have to take my word for what's being read, and I didn't tell Charlie what to put up on the screen. You can verify for yourself, actually see what's in the Bible, and know that what you're hearing is actually true. So let us hear these words together from 1 Peter 1, 13 through 21. Therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, Set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. But as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy for I am holy. And if you call on him as father who judges impartially according to each one's deeds, Conduct yourself with fear throughout the time of your exile, knowing that you were ransomed from the futile ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. He was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but was made manifest in the last times for the sake of you, who through him are believers in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory, so that your faith and hope are in God. Here ends the reading of God's holy word. If you would please join me in prayer. O holy God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts Be acceptable in your sight, O God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So today, we're going to talk about hope. Because one of the things that's paramount for Peter in talking to the elect exiles of the dispersion, which is all of the believers in faith across the world as he's writing this, is hope. And that we understand this, that maintaining hope is not only vital for our living, for our life, but it's also vital so that we can positively engage in the world around us. Now, we have an idea of of what we hope in, and there's a difference, though, in what I see in the church in 2023 versus the church that we read about in Scripture. The hope the early Christians have, the the New Testament church had, as we see through the writings of Peter, as we hear through the writings of Paul, is their hope was founded that Jesus not only died on the cross for their salvation and and rose from the grave three days later, 
It's that also Jesus' return is imminent. Jesus is returning. That is their hope, that Jesus is coming again as, as we hear in Revelation that there will, be, there will be trumpets sounding, armies of angels coming. There will be a new earth, a new heaven, and a new Jerusalem in which paradise is recreated and we walk around in the very presence of our Father forever. That's the hope that we read about here in Scripture. And what I have found that the hope of, of the average Christian, the average churchgoer in 2023, is that our hope, founded in the death and resurrection of Jesus, is that we get to heaven with our loved ones who have passed before us. And there's a stark difference in those two hopes. And there's such a difference in them that, that when we're just hoping to get to heaven to see loved ones who've gone before us versus hoping in the return of Jesus, the way we read and interact with Scripture will be completely different than the way God's Word was intended for us to understand. We have to understand Paul and Peter and, and all of the early Christians believed Jesus' return was imminent. It is coming soon. And that these exiles in faith believed that Christ's return was very near. But now there was some time that had passed as Peter writes this letter. And their hope in his return was sagging. Their spiritual vigor had died down. And so that's why Peter writes this letter. We can hear it in his voice. Get your head up. Your future goal is real. Your hope is alive. Victor Frankl is a Jewish man and a survivor of World War II concentration camps. He's a psychiatrist and also a, a well-known author of a book called Man's Search for Meaning. And in this book, he talks about the nature of hope. And he describes another man he met in one of the concentration camps. It's the spring of 1945, and this man comes up to him and, and says he had a dream in which he got to ask this voice anything. And he ends up asking the voice, when is liberation coming? When will the war be over for me? And the voice told him, March 30th. Well, a couple weeks go by and they get news within their camp that other camps are being liberated. It's, it's coming, but, but the march to the camp where they are is not progressing as fast as they had hoped, and it doesn't look like they're going to make it there. And so on March 29th, this man falls ill. On March 30th, he succumbs to, to being unconscious due to his illness. And on March 31st, he dies. And in his book, Frankel says that while he died of typhus, what set him up 
was that his hope was dead and no more. That the sudden loss of hope can have a deadly effect. And it appears to me that Peter understands this as well when he writes to the exiles that our hope is to be set on the grace coming to us in Jesus Christ. That the call for struggling Christians in, in this fallen world and in this time of exile is to set our hope fully on Jesus and his return. Say, yeah, of course you're going to say that, Pastor. That sounds great, but it seems a bit abstract. You know, Jesus didn't come yesterday, and the prospects of him coming today or tomorrow don't look much better. And so what we naturally tend to do then is we will turn to earthly hopes to solve perceived problems and circumstances in our life. One of the fun ones that we have taken a real liking to turning to for hope is politics and politicians. We turn our hope to them and, and hope that they can change the very landscape of everything. For, for it is quite certain that this country has gone to hell in a handbasket. And so we need a new leader and, and the other party to come back in and to fix it from what those idiots on the other side did. You figure out which one's which. Or, or even, you know what, if we could just turn the dial back, go back in time that, that we personally choose as, as the best, then this world would be a lot better off. And by world being a lot better off, we mean me personally. I would be a lot better off and feel more comfortable if the world was like this in the way I remember it. And so we begin putting our hope in earthly things. But the reality is, this world has fallen. Since that fateful day in the garden, this world is fallen, and only Christ's return will turn it into paradise again. So for us, dear Christians, that that's where we are to put all of our hope in Christ and in Christ alone. Not our hope to get to heaven to escape this place, but our hope in Christ that he will return and restore and redeem this place to its proper status of paradise. For Jesus is not a means to an end, but Jesus is the end. And so Peter keeps writing, and he tells us that, that because we have this hope in Christ, he tells us what we'll look like, what we'll be like. And he says, if Jesus' returning isn't enough motivation for you, I'll give you some other reasons for that too. For he tells us, for us to hope in Christ and his return our lives will be marked by a healthy mind. Quite literally, if we're going to translate that, it would be that um, 
we are to gird up the loins of our mind. Most of us don't know how to gird up our loins. To gird up our loins is to take our long robe and to pull it up around our waist, tie it around to get ready for strenuous activity or running so that we don't trip and fall along the way, that we are prepared for the work coming. For you see, for God to have our heart, he must also have our mind. And then Peter tells us that not only will our lives be marked by a healthy mind, but they will be marked by holy living. That we are called quite literally to live a life in obedience to God and to be holy because it is our Father in heaven who is holy. Because Jesus is coming back. So occasionally in my house, with a wife and three kids, occasionally my wife will leave me alone at home. And it's wonderful. Now, husbands, I'm going to spill our secrets today. It, we get left a list of things to accomplish while our wife is gone. So what's important for me when Ashley leaves me at home with a list? What's important for me is that I know when she's coming back. It's important because I need to know how much time I can sit there and do nothing before I've got to get up and start moving around and doing the things she told me to do and that I said I would do. So it looks like I've been doing them the whole time she was gone. It's funny, isn't it? But what's not funny is, it seems to be that's also how we treat the return of Jesus. Again, thinking, he's, he's not coming back for a while. I've got time to sit here, to relax, before I have to start doing what he told me I needed to do or what I told him I would go and do. I've got time before Jesus' return. It's been over 2,000 years. The prospects of him coming tomorrow don't look great based on history. So therefore, I must have plenty of time before I need to go tell someone else about Jesus Christ. Or I've got plenty of time before I need to start praying and loving on my enemies. Or I've got plenty of time before I need to repent from this sin. I'll get a handle on it next week. Folks, the Bible's clear. We do not know the day, the hour, the minute that Jesus will return. And so by his very instructions, by Peter's urging. By Paul's writing, we are to get busy living holy lives now. Don't wait till the last minute to look busy. Start living for Christ now. So Peter writes some motivation for us. Some motivation to, to, to turn us on into this holy living, into this healthy mind to motivate us while we're here in exile. And he writes about God's character, that God is 
holy. And he quotes God's own words from Leviticus to the people of Israel. When God says, you shall be holy for I am holy. You see, God has this funny thing about him that he wants his people to be a reflection of him in this fallen world. That he wants us who call on his name and call him father to be set apart and different from the world. It's even in the name Ecclesia, called from this world to God. Paul writes about it, Romans 12, don't be conformed by this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. But my question that I wonder about that really keeps us as pastors worried about all of us that gather here is are we different or are we really good chameleons? Do we find ourselves that it's Sunday morning so it's real easy to come here and look like a good, pious Christian? And then Monday comes, we go to work or we go home, we hang out with our buddies and we look like all of them, no different from the world. The things we desire, we want and hope for in our life look just like John and Jane Jones down the street from us who have nothing to do with Jesus. When we go out on the weekends, do we party it up like Jesus isn't even part of our lives? Or are we set apart? Are we working to look different? To look more like Jesus? See, Peter goes on and he says, if that doesn't get you motivated for holy living and a healthy mind, how about God's judgment? Here's where Peter becomes a Baptist preacher. He writes, and if you call on him as father who judges impartially according to each one's deeds, conduct yourself with fear throughout the time of your exile. Those are some pretty heavy words to hear while we're in exile and in this fallen world when we know we struggle and we know we can't be perfect, right? Holy implies perfect and we, we, we won't attain that until glory, but there's this work towards it that we can do. He says, don't forget God's judgment is coming. And what he wants us to avoid with this motivation is to, is to fall into a, a way of thinking where, where we begin to say, oh, you know, I can do this or that and get away with it. God will forgive me later when I ask. I mean, after all, God is my father and therefore my friend. But folks, as your pastor, I want to warn you. If you're drifting into that way of thinking and living, you are on very dangerous ground. And you are coming very close to mocking God himself. 
do not take his grace for granted. And then finally, the final motivation Peter gives us is to remember and to reflect on Jesus' sacrifice. He says, we were ransomed. We were bought with a price, not with anything perishable, not with silver, not with gold. No, you were ransomed. You were bought with the precious blood of Jesus Christ that was shed on the cross. And it's because of that blood sacrificed by Jesus, we have hope. It's because of Christ on the cross and his resurrection, we have hope. Jesus said he was going to die on the cross, and he said he was going to be raised from the dead. And then he did it, and he's also said that he's coming again, and yet we live as if we don't believe it. Peter writes, don't be discouraged. Don't be discouraged during these drifting days of exile living. Don't be discouraged that Jesus hasn't come yet because Jesus has proved to be faithful to his promises. Remember, you have been born again to a living hope. A living hope. This is important. Remember, Frankel talked about when hope dies, so do we. But our hope is living. Your hope is in God. So set your hope fully on the grace that is to be brought to you on that day. And to live your life pointed towards God like he is reflecting off of you. Amen. This morning, we are going to stand and sing, Be Glorified. We, um, we are not asking for ourselves to be glorified when we sing this song. We want God to be glorified. We are going to sing his praises for all that he's done and for the promise of Jesus' return, in which one day we will all join together with the angels in singing and praising him, walking around with God here in a new heaven, a new earth, and a new Jerusalem. Would you stand and sing?